from API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. Gasoline prices continue to be in the headlines this summer, and politicians, including some presidential candidates, are looking for ways to give consumers some relief at the pump. One of the proposals that's been mentioned is a windfall profits tax that could be imposed on major oil companies. But would it help? The last time the U.S. had a windfall profits tax was about 30 years ago, and at that time our guest today was a high-level official at the Department of Energy and later at the White House. Ed Vallade, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Jane. Now, in the late 1970s, you managed crisis communications for the Department of Energy under the Carter administration. So let's provide our listeners with a bit of a history lesson. When did the last windfall profits tax go into effect, and how long did it last? Well, it went into effect in late 1980, uh, essentially after the problem was over, and it lasted until 1988 when it was finally repealed. Ed, let's set the stage for our discussion of the windfall profits tax so our listeners really will understand why it was imposed. We'll put it into context here. But let's go back to as early as 1973. There was an Arab oil embargo at that time. Can you briefly tell us why the Arabs decided not to send us oil and what the impact was? Well, essentially, it was the Arab-Israeli War of, of 1973, the, and uh, U.S. support for Israel was such that the Arabs decided to cut us off. The Arab, the Arab uh, oil exporting uh, countries, they, they formed OPEC, or they had formed OPEC, but uh, but they used OPEC to uh, cut off supplies to, of, of oil to the United States. That created a, a great deal of uncertainty, and the uncertainty was even worse than the than the quantitative shortfall of oil. We didn't know how long the embargo was going to last. We didn't know when we'd get our oil back. And... Uh, the oil delivery system was such that that everybody, refiners, producers, wholesalers, retailers, everybody was just keeping a little extra oil, and it didn't come out the end of the tap. We had a shortfall at the end of uh, at the end of the supply line, and there were palpable shortages, and no one knew how long it was going to last, and that's what really created the problem. We were just caught flat-footed by the whole thing. Now let's fast forward a little bit to 1978, the fall of 1978, when we had a revolution in Iran and a strike in the Iranian oil fields. What impact did that have on supply? Well, it had more of an impact than it should have. Don't forget, uh, we were battered all during the 70s by energy shortages, and so I think the country, frankly, overreacted a bit to the to the to the size of the shortfall that there was, but certainly uh, psychically there was a terrific impact. People people were afraid. It had happened before, and now it was happening again. And it happened under a backdrop of price controls and an allocation system on gasoline that existed in the 70s, left over from the Nixon administration. So what impact did that have on top of a fear of a shortage? Well, it just really made it worse. Uh, essentially, what what it did was, the, particularly the allocation controls, were based on a previous year's usage. So they were putting the gasoline where the drivers weren't. People were afraid to drive out into the countryside. They were afraid to take vacations. So they were putting excessive demand on urban and suburban 
uh, gasoline supplies, whereas there was plenty of gasoline out in the countryside. And it just was a very frustrating situation because we knew the gasoline was out there. The problem was trying to get the word to the drivers, go ahead and drive out there uh, and and you can fill up. That's what I did. So you were able to get around, but a lot of other people were afraid. Absolutely. I knew where the gasoline was. I'd drive up uh, 90 miles and, or, and fill up my tank or down the road, down 95, 90 miles and fill up my tank and no, I had no problem. But still, in the summer of 1979, as people were taking vacations, an awful lot of people in various parts of the country, largely urban areas, had gasoline lines. Absolutely. Gasoline lines, stations running out, all of the pictures on the front pages of newspapers, all of the uh, all of the 6 o'clock news stories about the, the problem. It just uh, it fed on itself a little bit. So how did the Carter administration address the problem? We tried to get the word out, drive normally, but the the regulations are so unwieldy that, that it was impossible to do anything in, in a short time frame. By the time we got anything meaningful done, the whole thing was over. Uh, that's just the nature of a national regulatory scheme. It's awfully hard to to move. But the Carter administration did work towards the control of gasoline prices, correct? Thinking that would be better for the marketplace? Almost from the start, we were in favor of the control of gasoline, but politically it was very difficult to do. Uh, perceptually, it was a very difficult thing because between 1976 and 1979, the, the price and allocation controls were meaningless because prices were below the level of, well below the level of uh, at which they would have been controlled, and there was plenty of gasoline to allocate. And it was only when uh, the Iranian Revolution tightened things up a little bit again that that anybody ever even remembered, oh, yeah, we have these price and allocation controls on. Oh, okay. And then it just made things worse. But you did work on the decontrol of gasoline prices. And how did that actually lead to the idea of then imposing a windfall profits tax? Well, people forget, actually, because we weren't advertising it at, at much at the time, but the the Carter administration did very much want to, to see gasoline and crude oil decontrolled because these regulations had long since outlived their, their usefulness. But essentially, because of the perception of oil companies making profits and and so on, which the reality was quite different, but the perception was such that you needed some sort of a quid pro quo if you were going to get oil prices decontrolled, and the windfall profits tax was that quid pro quo. It was essentially the price exacted by the Congress for uh, decontrolling uh, gasoline and crude oil. And there were great hopes that this was going to generate a lot of revenue. Oh, yeah. They thought it was going to be worth three to four hundred billion dollars. But what actually happened, Ed? It eventually produced about maybe one quarter of that, maybe maybe eighty billion dollars over, over the eight years or so it was in effect. And it was a lawyer's full employment act. Every lawyer in, in Washington in the eighties just rubbed their hands for, for glee for for uh, the the piece of the action they were getting out of this windfall profits tax. Well, what does that experience say about the government's ability to intervene in the marketplace? Well, it basically says the government is not very good at it. By the time you get a, a, a national program into place, 
it's in response to an emergency, it's likely that the emergency will have passed because it takes months, sometimes even years. And so you're, you're, you've got something in place that's addressing a problem that no longer exists, and it creates unintended consequences. It strangles the market, and you wind up creating a whole different set of problems. So I frankly turned from a, an advocate of price and allocation controls in 1973 to an opponent in 1980. I saw it at work, and it did not work. So what are your thoughts today when you hear politicians talk about imposing yet another windfall profits tax? All I can do is give you a quote, Jane, and I'm paraphrasing, but to every problem there is a solution that's simple, elegant, and utterly wrong. And I think that that a windfall profits tax, based on the real, really complicated problems that are that are going on now, based on the, uh, on the complexity of the world oil situation, I think it fits this, the uh, description of something that's utterly wrong. Ed Valade, thank you for sharing your knowledge of the windfall profits tax with our listeners today on Energy Tomorrow Radio. My pleasure, Jane. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.